Hey, it's episode 110, and even though it's November, we're going to be talking about the five hacks to maximizing the Christmas season, how you can engage your guests with the gospel. That's today on The Reclaim Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Welcome to episode 110 of The Reclaim Leader, helping you lead change without losing your roots. This is Jason Tucker. Jesse is not with us today because we had another one of those recording anomalies that unfortunately happens every once in a while, and that is something went crazy with the audio files. We had this episode recorded last week, and I went to edit it today as we get ready to drop it tomorrow, and guess what? The files are not there. Awesome. So I'm going to try and recreate the episode that Jesse and I recorded because I think it's worth it. I think uh, getting this episode out there into your hands before Christmas can really help. So we're calling this episode Five Hacks to Maximize the Christmas Season, How to Engage Your Guests with the Gospel. As you know, I mean, man, we are we're in that sprint now to the end of the year where it's like, you know, October happens, Halloween happens, and then we sprint until New Year's Eve. And I know that you have a lot going on in the life of your church. You probably have a lot of things planned out already. So we wanted to add some content that could help you. We're still a couple of weeks out from Advent to get some content into your hands that that might help you spark some ideas or get some things going and perhaps leverage better this Christmas season for the sake of engaging your guests. So I'm going to jump right in and get to it. Uh, This is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode because we don't have the back and forth, but uh, I did want to go through these steps nonetheless. So here we go. Step number one to maximizing Christmas is think about Christmas as an opportunity to invite people to take a next step. In other words, I think a lot of us, we think of Christmas or we think of Christmas and Easter as an opportunity to really bring it for that day, which is good. You need to. But I think it's probably better to think in terms of how do we make Christmas, uh, how do we invite people to take a next step when they're here? What are the next steps that would be easy things to invite them to between now and New Year's? You know, what are their pain points? What are they thinking about? People are always looking to make life change this time of year. They're looking forward to New Year's. They're going to have some resolutions on the other side of that. Are there ways that you can make it easy for them to say yes to a next step? And what do I mean by a next step? I mean a next step of faith. Uh, Make it a clear, low-risk, high-reward opportunity that anybody can say yes to, right? So how do you do that? Christmas time's a great way to do that. Are you looking for people to become members of your church? This is a great opportunity to connect them to a new members class. Or perhaps uh, you're bringing them in in an outreach event and you want to see them volunteer for a service opportunity. There's so many different opportunities at Christmas time for people to take a next step. So let me just give you a quick example. We just had our new member class uh, finish, and our new members join this coming Sunday. 
And we've already invited them to participate in a fellowship time called Dinners for Eight, where they go out to restaurants in the community and they gather in groups of eight and they get to know each other. So we've already made that ask to help them find their next step. And then we have also plugged them into uh, something called Christmas on the Hill, which is our big outreach event. And we've asked them to invite a friend to come to that event. So we have three steps in this chain for this subgroup called uh, the new members. And I think if you can think in terms of next steps with your congregation, you have a better shot of engaging your guests, not just, uh, not just for that day, but engaging them more into the life of the church, which is, after all, I think, what it is that we're going for when we talk about outreach around Christmas time. So what are some different opportunities that you can leverage, that you can help people identify and take a next step? Um, I, a lot of you have Christmas pageants. That's a great opportunity for young families. If you know the kid wants to be the Christmas lobster or whatever, <laughs> whatever, however it works in your Christmas pageant, there's an opportunity there to invite them to be part of it. But if you think in terms of next steps, you have a better shot of actually engaging these new guests rather than perhaps temporarily engaging or entertaining them during the Christmas season, but maybe enfolding them more into the life of the church. So that's hack number one is think in terms of next steps. And so for Christmas time, we have two really easy next step opportunities that we think everyone can take and we do it as a congregation together. So the first thing we do is we design postcards that have on one side a, a really nice image uh, for in, you know some sort of sentence about Christmas and on the back it's got all of our church's Christmas events and opportunities. And, and we get them made up and we ask uh, that folks in our congregation hand them to somebody in their life and invite them to participate or engage in Tower Hill in one of these events. And that's a real easy next step that you can invite people to take. And no matter where you are in the continuum between brand new guest and longtime devoted member or elder, is everyone can, can invite someone. And so it's a real easy way of saying, you know, I, I might not be able to figure out one particular group's next step, but we can do it as a church together. And then, so we're actually doing that this week, and then, or for the next two weeks. And then the week after that, we have another card that's a business size card that we are giving out to our folks and, and help them to cultivate generosity. And so it's a little card that says, you know, this gift is from your friends at Tower Hill Church, and we pray that, uh, that, you know, you are blessed as we celebrate Jesus this season. And the idea is people are to go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or wherever they go to get coffee or maybe uh, to get lunch, and they pay for someone else's order, and they leave them that card. Now, the card on it doesn't have our website, and the reason it doesn't is we didn't want it to just feel like a sales pitch. We wanted it to feel like a genuine act of kindness. So it just says, you know, like from your friends at Tower Hill Church, we hope that this adds to your enjoyment of the season. And we figure if they're really pleased with the fact that we just gave them something for free, then they'll they'll check us out and it will establish some goodwill. But most importantly, it helps our people cultivate generosity, which that really helps people take a next step in their own spiritual growth. So those are a couple of ideas for like all church next steps that you can focus on during Christmas time. 
with that, also to be thinking about what kind of preaching series, what kind of opportunities are there going to be on the other side of the new year that I can invite people to now so that when they do make those New Year's resolutions to get their family back to church or to get more, to grow deeper in their faith or whatever that is, that the church is ready with opportunities for them to sign up for. Because oftentimes, like, we're so tired at the end of the Christmas season that January becomes a little bit of a wasteland in the sense of we just need some time to rest. So I think it's good to have time to rest, don't get me wrong, but I think if we miss out on opportunities in January, I think we miss a real good opportunity. Okay, so that's hack number one. Hack number two is one way to be able to engage your guests is to track them. And I don't mean that in like a creepy uh, social media algorithm kind of way where you're, you know, going to learn all about their life history, but how do you actually track people in real time? You know, we have we have pew pads which do almost nothing, as close to nothing as possible. There's like five people that sign the pad every single week. Um, I don't know why they sign it every week, but they do. They even put their email every every week. It's like it takes you so long to do that. But um, part of it is we don't have a great way of knowing who's here on a Sunday morning other than giving or through children's ministry. And those are great. Those are great opportunities. But how else can we track them? How do we track guests when they come in so that we can better engage them in the life of the church? You know, one big, if you have an email newsletter or something like that, electronic newsletter or something on your website that can get into people's hands, you want a way of connecting them with that. So some different ideas that we've tried and have had some success with are offering something like a Christmas photo booth. So we have some folks in the congregation who are either professional or amateurs, uh, but who are very good at doing photography. And we just set up a little photo booth, little station with a Christmas tree and maybe some decorations in the background, maybe a little extra lighting. It doesn't take a whole lot. And then they offer to take pictures uh, after, before and after worship um, during Advent. And in exchange for the free photo, they give us their email address, and then we email them the picture. And then we have their email. And we let them know, you know, you give us your email address, you know, you have to let them know that they're going to be subscribed to our church newsletter, our church um, weekly news. And we're so excited that, you know, that they came and that they were involved with it. So you have to say that. There's, there are legal reasons you have to tell them they're going to be subscribed to a list. But it's a great way to capture information of your guests. Usually people don't have a problem with it. They're used to that. They're used to getting some sort of value in return for some information. So um, you can decide what you want to ask of them. We ask for an email and uh, first and last names. Uh, another thing you could do, just like on you know online businesses do, you can offer some sort of lead magnet is what it's called where you're offering some free downloadable content in exchange for information. So you might think of, you might put together a PDF document that's like, you know, the top five things parents need to know about parenting during the holidays. Uh, in order to get your free copy, just, you know, fill out this subscription form. And there, there are all sorts of things and vehicles to do this. You can actually do this right on Facebook if you have somebody with just a little bit of know-how. Um, and... And then, you know, they get subscribed to your newsletter. Again, just a way of getting information because at least pew pads where we are don't work. People don't write their information down and we end up really not knowing who's here 
on Christmas Eve, Christmas, or during Advent. So we try to do better by um, getting some information. So do you have something that you that would add value to someone's life that you could give away? Do that, right? And in exchange for some information. Okay, so that's the second hack in how to track the guests as they come in for Christmas. I think uh, the third hack is a quick one, and that is I know a lot of churches like to give away gifts at Christmas time. Um, And I think that's a good impulse, generally speaking, to give something away, really just to show generosity, to do something spiritual that connect them with the church. And so I don't know what you've seen. I've seen a lot of like um, people giving away like the Gospel of John and some other things like that. Maybe I have an unpopular opinion of some of those gifts, but I just have come to the conclusion, I'm not sure that a copy of the Gospel of John is accomplishing what we want it to accomplish. Um, Maybe it's sort of how I feel about giving away tracts. At least in my experience, it's been people receive it and then it kind of ends up in a dumpster. Or if somebody receives a, a free Bible, for example... More often than not, I see that free Bible unopened on someone's bookshelf. And you just kind of wonder, like, if I give away something really churchy to a guest who's not going to church somewhere, who only is coming on Christmas, maybe for the first time, or maybe only Christmas and Easter, is the Gospel of John really the thing that's going to tether them to the church? Are they going to feel like, wow, what a great free gift? Or are they going to think, yeah, that's what churches do, um you know, thank you. I'm not going to say no because you're handing me a gospel. But at the same time, I just don't know if it's effective or as effective as we would like it to be. Not that I have anything wrong with the gospel of John, but you know what I'm saying. So one year, my favorite thing that we did was we gave away, you know, those portable uh, chargers, those portable like um, uh, cell phone chargers. We gave those away and we put Tower Hill Church on them and we put some Okay, it was like cheesy, but we put something like, you know, power up or I don't know. (laughs) Listen, I I take no responsibility for that. But it was cool because it was something totally different. It was something not churchy. People weren't expecting it. It had value. Like people actually use these things. They weren't that expensive to get. And it was one of the most memorable. People still talk about that giveaway. That was like three years ago. They still talk about that giveaway we did at Christmas when we gave away the chargers. And I think what that does is it catches people a little bit by surprise. It gives them something that they're actually going to use in their everyday life. I know, listen, I want them to use the Gospel of John, but chances are they're going to be on their cell phone more consistently. It was a way of getting them to think about the church and to think, wow, what a cool gift from the church. So, it doesn't have to cost a lot, but maybe there's a creative thing that you can give away instead of maybe a churchy thing. I know. Um, and listen, it's so contextual. So the right thing for you and your church um, is going to look different than the right thing for me and my church. But I think that's a hack. I think don't, maybe not to kind of jump in or to resist or at least question that impulse of giving away the churchy thing. Okay, so that's hack. Number three, 
Okay, and this other hack, hack number four, is invite the congregation to be part of the fun or invite your guests to be part of the fun. This comes from Jesse's Church Marine View where they do like this all-church decorating of the church and they have they have food and they have stuff for kids and it's kind of a come hang out. And I love this because so often we get so wrapped up in what we're doing as a church and we're always... I think our gravitational pull is to be very serious because it's serious business that we're in, right? We care about people's spiritual lives. We take that very seriously. We have a lot of expectations. There are a lot of things riding on what we're doing. We feel the weight of that stuff. And sometimes I think we forget just to have fun, that Christmas is a time that is fun. In fact, people in your community who don't go to church, almost all of them, at least culturally, celebrate Christmas in one way or another. I mean, it's this giant opportunity to reach people. And maybe there's a chance to just invite them in. It doesn't have to be like a perfect event. It could be, hey, y'all come and we're going to watch the Grinch and, you know, eat, you know, eat some food and hang out and do some decorating or whatever it is. It doesn't have to be some really slick, well-oiled machine kind of event. It can be it can feel a lot more like a family living room where you're inviting people to. And sometimes that has as big or bigger an impact than any other kind of event you can have. It's just simply getting together and enjoying something during the season. Maybe you live outside New York City and you say, "Hey, let's all go into the city." and do something Christmas. Let's go visit. Let's go to Central Park. Let's go for carriage rides. Let's go see a show together. Let's, or maybe, you know, you're just thinking, hey, what if we just got everyone over and we had hot chocolate and we had a fire pit outside and we did s'mores and, you know, sang Christmas songs. It doesn't have to be a lot and it's something that you could pull off fairly quickly, but invite them to be part of the fun. And I think, too, um, you know, as we get, I guess this isn't the official hack, but one thing is you want to make sure that you're ramping up your your social media and your communication as you're going through this season. You want to make sure that you're communicating well, and it's all part of communicating the next steps and thinking in terms of engagement, is make sure that if you don't have anyone doing Facebook posts for you, just get on there and do at least one post a week. And all you have to do is, if you know what you're going to be preaching on, You could just do a sentence or two of kind of the bottom line of what you're preaching on and shoot those out. You could even do it the week after you preach or the day after you preach it, like do it on Mondays so that you don't have to do a lot of prep work. Because I know sometimes everybody's kind of preaching patterns different. You might not know exactly what your bottom line is until you've already given the sermon. And so maybe, maybe the next Monday morning, you just shoot off a quick Facebook post on your church's account with some graphic, you know, Christmassy, Adventy graphic in the background and say, um, you know, whatever your takeaway was. And then just do that once a week. It helps just create engagement and people think of your church more. There's, you know, they might be more inclined to show up during Advent. So you want to make sure that you ramp up your church's presence on social media and any kind of internal communication like email newsletters and all of that. Okay. So the fifth and final hack that I want to share with you is about preaching. I think sometimes because we preach the same message every year pretty much, (laughs) I mean, there's only so many different scriptures that you can use. And I think sometimes uh, pastors 
overthink it. I think we tend to get a little cute at Christmas time and we try to think of like these really deep, creative ways to make it fresh and new. And I'm not saying that's a bad impulse, but just make sure, I feel about this really strongly, make sure that you're giving people the mac and cheese. They want comfort food. They want to hear the story. You can get cute with mac and cheese. You could go crazy. You could add lobster to mac and cheese. You can add spam. You could add all sorts of things to mac and cheese. But make sure you're giving them the mac and cheese. Give them the story. Let them hear it. Do you know one of the most beloved things that people watch on Christmas, almost irregardless of religion, is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. And they particularly like when Linus delivers the the message, the story, in that little window when he gives that soliloquy, that speech. And I think people just in their hearts, deep down, they want to hear that story. And it can be it can be a fast version of that. It can be a slow version of that. I mean, whatever the version is, make sure they're hearing the mac and cheese. Don't try to overthink it or get too cute. And I would say this too, less is more on Christmas, especially Christmas Eve. I feel like in our family services, you know, I've got like five good minutes <laughs> while the kids are, you know, squirming and shrieking and, you know, it's like trying to manage the ocean a little bit. So I I literally, I do like a five minute sermon and I just try to make it as good as I can do in five minutes. And then in our evening candlelight services, I, you know, I'm probably more like 15, but I'm not more than 15 because the last thing I want to do to a guest who's here on Christmas Eve, who honestly, they're really coming for the story and the music. I want to make sure that they feel like it's a, it's a great use of their time that we hit those notes that they're waiting to hear and that we don't bore them to death in the process because they're tired. And let's just be real. Some of them have already been having fun on Christmas Eve and, you know, they're kind of nodding out on you. I just think less is more on Christmas Eve. And those kinds of sermons are always harder to write. It's always harder to write something shorter. But at the same time, I think it's worth it, especially uh, on Christmas. So, Hey, I hope this helps. I hope these hacks help you to think about how to maximize the Christmas season for you and your church. And again, sorry we couldn't give you the original episode with Jesse and I, but hopefully uh, this doesn't happen again anytime soon. And uh, with that, we got some other guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be, um, actually, we're going to have Dr. Bob Weitzel back. Uh, he's, I think, in two weeks. He's talking to us about this really cool topic. He's doing a lot with interim minister training, but he's going to teach us all about the thing, the five things that all pastors can learn from interim minister training. And I think that's going to be really valuable and helpful. We're going to do an episode coming up about risk taking in the life of the church. And again, I hope that this is helpful to you. That's the whole point. If you haven't checked us out on Facebook yet, you can like our Facebook page, uh, The Reclaim Leader. And also, we have a private group there where we go a little deeper and have some time for conversation. The Reclaim Leader podcast as a group, you ask to join and you show up. And if you find this stuff helpful, please share it. Please share it. Write us a review review on iTunes. It helps people to find us. And again, the whole reason Jesse and I are doing this podcast is we want to be part of the solution. Leading change in churches is hard, and it leaves you with scars, and it can feel like you're all alone. Please don't feel like you're all alone. Um, We're here for you as much as we can be, and hopefully we're all here for each other. 
Don't be afraid to reach out. And again, I hope that this has helped you to lead change without losing your roots. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey. 